Welcome to another Calvary Baltimore B-Side with our senior pastor, Josh Plantholt. B-Sides are a companion to the weekly sermon, giving an in-depth look behind the teaching. And now with running commentary to complement this week's sermon, here's Pastor Josh. Hi, y'all. I miss you all so much. Uh, happy Monday. Welcome to B-Sides. Um, sorry, uh, for the last few weeks, um, the timing of this has been uh, kind of crazy. Uh, <laughs> I was sick one week, and then something came up the next week, and then uh, today uh, we had a take our take our uh, family to school day, uh, and so we were out and about, and I'm getting I'm way too Irish for all the sun I've been getting, <laughs> but uh, we were out, and he was doing the bouncy house, and I got to meet with all the uh, parents, and you know, just just fun stuff, fun stuff. So. Um, as a pastor, and, and this is true for everybody, uh, my first mission field is my family. And so when something comes up, uh, I, I make sure that I, I, I'm there for, for my family when they need me. So um, just so you know, if things come up in my life, that's why. I'm not trying to burn my family out at the altar of ministry there. <laughs> uh, so anyways, welcome to B-Side. Uh, we are in Revelation chapter 7 today. We are in verse 13 and 14. Uh, we have some really, really cool stuff today. <clears throat> and in fact, if you notice, Sunday's teaching was a little shorter than normal. Uh, and that's because I took a section out uh, because I really had one singular theme on Sunday. And, and that was the blood. And everything that I shared... Um, just about, not not everything, but most of it was was building to that, to the blood of Jesus Christ that, that cleansed us with our in our robes, um, and I didn't want to distract away from that. Uh, but as a result, I had to take out something that was really important to me. But that's why these Monday Bible studies are so good, because I know I'm not just not going to use them. I can put them here. So, uh, for those of you that are watching, thank you, and I'm. Really excited you're here for this because I, I think this is really um, important to understanding today's text. So with that, let's hop right in. Revelation 7, verse 13. <clears throat> and then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? Two thoughts. First, we should notice that the saints in heaven are clothed in pure white garments because they have been washed in red blood. And again, if I can repeat my laundry tip to you, if you, if you wash your clothes with a bottle of red wine, they will not come out white. <laughs> Yet the blood has made them pure. And uh, something I wanted to share Sunday, but did, didn't quite have, again, not, not along my singular theme, but this, this is one of the many paradoxes uh, in today's passage. So, for example, here are these people clothed in white because they have been dipped in red. It's just a paradox. It's, it's, it's odd. Uh, the saints we see are happy. They're waving their palm branches. It's a sign of gratitude and rejoicing. They're, they're happy. Uh, they, they are alive and vibrant in heaven. And who are the happy, alive ones in heaven? They are those who have been slaughtered and killed on earth. Again, it's a 
different way to think about things. You don't think someone who's been murdered is someone who looks so happy in heaven, yet that's where we are. Later, Jesus is going to call himself, as we're going to see coming up this Sunday. Later, Jesus is the lamb who's also our shepherd. Well, how's a lamb a shepherd? Yet, Jesus is the lamb of God who is our good shepherd. Also, these saints, uh, we're going to see this coming week, these saints serve God day and night in the temple. But God's temple, at the end of the book of Revelation, uh, we, we see that there is no night. <laughs> for the Lamb is the sun, that, that our light, that lamp that burns forever. So there's a specific note that there's not going to be any more night in the New Jerusalem. So there's a lot of things here that are just on a very different level. Um, and God has a way of doing that. He... he, he forces us to change our thinking or to 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 look at, at life in a way that is just not human, uh, which makes sense because God is not human. He's divine. He is God. God is God. And our job as humans is not to make God human. Our job as humans are to make our thinking heavenly uh, as best as we can to transform our mind through the renewing of the word. So we, we need to be in the Word. Uh, secondly, and I spoke for a bit on uh, uh, on Sunday about stained garments, but also something else we, we didn't have time for. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time on the dirty garments. Remember, we played the little imagination game. Think about every sin you've ever had and all the stains. And then I, I ran through a little bit about Jeremiah and I ran through uh, about Jude. Don't get their stains on you, which was building upon an Old Testament text uh, meaning poop. Uh, so uh, stains were pictures of sins on garments in the Old Testament. And I emphasize that. But one of the things I, we, we didn't quite go, the road we didn't quite go down was the Old Testament picture of clean garments. So before we go down the scriptural Old Testament support of clean garments, we first really should understand where we are in Revelation 7. In Revelation chapter 1, if you remember, John is in the outer court. He's in the court of the Gentiles where the sacrifices were made. He's on the Isle of Patmos, a Gentile island. Then John is taken in the Spirit on the Lord's Day to see Jesus. And remember, he turns and he sees Jesus dressed as what? A great high priest. And where is Jesus standing? Amongst the lampstands. So Jesus goes from the court of the Gentiles and then is brought to see the lampstands. Well, if we want to think the tabernacle, we want to think the temple. Uh, on the outer part of the temple was the court of the Gentiles. The Gentiles were allowed there. And then going into the tabernacle, into the temple, was the holy place. Now, what was in the holy place? It was the lampstand, the menorah. And again, who tended to the menorah? It was the priests. So again... John is taken from the court of the Gentiles to the lampstands. And then in chapter 4, John is taken through a door in the sky into the Holy of Holies where God's throne sat. Uh, thinking again of the temple on earth, the Ark of the Covenant and the four cherub golden statues were placed where? In the Holy of Holies. So, uh, the, the John's journey... 
uh, through the book of Revelation has somewhat mirrored or paralleled the journey through the temple or the tabernacle uh, in the Old Testament. We went from Patmos, the, the court of the Gentiles, to in front of Jesus with the lampstands, which was the holy place in the temple, and then finally to where the Ark of the Covenant, the four cherub, or the throne of God and the four cherub are in heaven. So John's journey has been one through the temple that ends at the, the inside of the Holy of Holies. Now, in the Old Testament, in Exodus 19, uh, verses 9 through 11, when Moses told the words, it says in, in Exodus 9, 19, uh, verses 9 through 11, when Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down from Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Before Israel was to stand in the presence of Yahweh, <laughs> before the presence of God Almighty, what were they supposed to do? They were supposed to wash their robes, wash their clothes. It was a picture of being uh, a picture of their being pure before God, standing before God in pure vestments. Now, to take this a step further, the priests, the priests, not just at this special occasion, but uh, every time they entered the, entered the temple or the tabernacle, priests all through Leviticus, Leviticus 15, we see it, Leviticus 16, we see it. Uh, the priests were to make sure they never came into the presence of the Lord in the temple or in the tabernacle with any stains on them. They had to be meticulous in making sure that their priestly vestments had no stains on them whatsoever. And again, this was a picture of purity. So here's the point, especially as God talks about this multitude uh, in Revelation later as priests to God, uh, and again, this is at the back end of chapter 7, uh, in the Old Testament, we, we have to see that man could only get so close to God. But even from a far distance, they had to have their robes cleaned. The Israelites needed to have their robes decently cleaned, um, as they stood at the mount, the foot of Mount Sinai. And the priests were to have their robes even cleaner because they were even closer to God inside of the tabernacle or the temple. But here we see in Revelation 7, this innumerable multitude is now in, is not in front of some curtain. The, the innumerable multitude is not at the foot of some mountain or in the holy place behind the temple veil. No, the, the, the innumerable multitude in Revelation 7, the Christians are standing in front of the very presence of God himself. And the reality is, the, the reality is there is no way humanity within itself could cleanse itself enough to stand before God this close. There isn't enough tide and Mr. Clean in the world to purify ourselves to stand this close to God. But God, <laughs> Jesus, by his blood, has made us so pure, 
so clean, has cleansed us so thoroughly through the cross that now we not only may approach God from a distance, but we may stand at the very feet and presence of God Almighty himself with nothing in between us. We may dwell in his presence and will dwell in his presence eternally clean. And what we need to see here as we think of the Old Testament, remember that the book of Revelation is not, there's not, the Bible isn't, the Bible's made up of 66 different books, and there's not 65 other books and then the book of Revelation over here on an island. No, it's part of the 66, and as a result, it's built on top of the 65 other books that have come before it. It's connected to it. And the New Testament, surprise, surprise, this is groundbreaking thinking, is built upon the Old Testament. The Second Testament's built upon the First Testament. And so as we think of the Old Testament, what we need to see here is that the blood of Jesus has purified us to such a thorough degree that we may not only see God from a distance, but we may dwell in the very immediate presence of the Father. Psalm 103, uh, verses 10 and 12, put it this way. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As we look as we look at the theology of the, of the of the picture of garments from the Old Testament, what we see here as all through the Old Testament, God's people were to cleanse themselves and wash themselves and sometimes shave their head, their hair off their head, and then their underwear couldn't be stained and they couldn't couldn't sleep with their wife right before they came and the priest couldn't. And there were all these, all of these laws that were had. If you got near a dead body, you weren't, you touched a dead body, you weren't allowed into the dark. There were all of these laws about cleanliness. And then all of a sudden we see in the finished work of the cross, as Hebrews put it, the once for all sacrifice. When we have dive, when we dive into that blood and into that grace, we are covered so thoroughly, we are cleaned so eternally, it's a once and for all cleansing. And we now may not approach God from a distance, but we may dwell in his presence forever. And so this is a really powerful picture that's happening here in in Revelation, when we remember that that this is building upon much of what has come before it in the Old Testament about cleanliness. And then, let's keep reading Revelation. Uh, Revelation 7, verse 14. So the elder asked John a question, and now verse 14, and I said to him, sir... (laughs) The elder says, who are these people? And, and, and John says, uh, verse 14, sir, you know. I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, so the elder now responds, because he wants John clear on this. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And now, this is what I really, really, really wanted to share uh, on Sunday but I felt it took away from what else I was trying to do 
Uh, but this is awesome. <laughs> I, I want us to be aware that Revelation 7, verse 13 and 14, it is drawing from, is building upon the Old Testament text, uh, upon a very specific Old Testament text from the book of Ezekiel. And if you have a Bible here, uh, if, if, if that's how your setup is, uh, turn to Ezekiel 37. I think it'll be uh, beneficial to see this here. Now, in Ezekiel 37, it's a very famous passage of, of Scripture as far as, you know, the Old Testament prophets goes. Uh, Ezekiel is being given visions by God all, all through the book of Ezekiel. And then in chapter 37, uh, starting at verse 1, this is what we read. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And immediately, <coughs> if revelation is in the back of our mind, wasn't the hand of Jesus upon John in chapter 1? Remember, John passes out and it says that Jesus put his hand, hand upon John to bring life back into him. Really interesting. And then Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in, in the spirit of the Lord. Again, thinking of Revelation, just as John was taken in the spirit on the Lord's day from Patmos. Again, we're seeing immediately, we, we should be seeing that the vision of John may be building, uh, may, may be drawing from or building upon the foundation that the Lord laid in Ezekiel's life. There, there's some parallels here. And then it goes on to say, uh, Ezekiel 37 verse 1, And he set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And here, Ezekiel was is asked a question, just like we see in today's reading, where an elder asked John a question, and Ezekiel responds with, essentially, I have no idea. Let's read it. Ezekiel says, And I answered, O Lord God, you know. <laughs> Do you see the connection? John's response today is nearly identical to Ezekiel's in Ezekiel 37. And interesting, if we, if we kept on doing this, this Bible work here, Ezekiel is going to be told to what? To prophesy to the bones, just like how John is going to be told to prophesy in chapter 10. So there's a, there's a, a lot of parallels happening here. Now, something we, we do want to see today is that if, if Revelation 7, what we want to see is that if Ezekiel 37, the, the Valley of Dry Bones, is what Revelation chapter 7 is building on top of, and I believe it is, and I just pointed out, I think, four different reasons why I think it is, then we have a really interesting connection here that we should see. In Ezekiel 37, what did God do with the bones? Do you remember? He brought the dead bones of Israel back to life. Well, here too in Revelation, what has God done with this innumerable multitude? He has brought the dead back to life from the great tribulation. 
And then in Ezekiel, Ezekiel prophesied to the bones to make them gather and be filled with the Spirit. Well, so too have these people the who have been... Remember, who, who prophesied? Who prophesied to this great multitude from the Great Tribulation? The 144,000. God sealed the 144,000 and told them to go and prophesy. And then immediately we see who they were prophesied to and filled with their spirit. So then we see in Ezekiel, the bones made alive will be shepherded. If we keep reading Ezekiel 37, the bones made alive are what would be shepherded by the root of David. As chapter 7 concludes by telling us the same of this multitude. Now, fascinatingly, in Ezekiel, and this is where we're getting here, in Ezekiel, the bones would be given life, and then, like an army, would then march and take the land of Israel and dwell with God there. And this is exactly what's going to happen in Revelation. If you know the story of Revelation, I want to read this to you. This is in Revelation 19.11. So, in Ezekiel 37... God sends out a messenger, just like the 144,000, and they prophesy. And then the Spirit of God assembles these bones in Ezekiel 37 and fills them with new life. And then they go and they take Jerusalem. Well, in the book of Revelation, God sends out the 144,000. He assembles an innumerable multitude who are then killed. God reestablishes their bones in heaven. And now, are they too going to march on Israel like the bones from Ezekiel 37? Let's read it. Revelation 19.11. Then I saw heaven open to behold the white horse and the one sitting on it called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, <laughs> and on his head are many diadem, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, linen white and pure, were following him, on white horses, and from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And all of the connections from today's text, Revelation 7 to Ezekiel 37, is giving us a clue as to what God has planned for these people. That today in chapter 7, they are praising and enjoying God. And we know that because they're waving palm branches. That's a picture building upon the Feast of Sukkot, the Feast of Booths. It was a picture of being gratitude towards God for first bringing them out of Egypt, but really for all that he has done, doing, and will do. But later, these very saints, the innumerable multitude that are so thankful right here, these very saints, as we saw in Revelation 19, are going to ride into battle with the Lord. And they are going to slay the very evil that slayed them, because they came out of the Great Tribulation through great persecution. And so as we read today's text, as we as we look at Revelation 7 and all that God's doing, yes, yes we should see a, a comforted and a cared for people, but we also don't want to miss that God has really big plans for his people. 
is really big plans for the church and the millennial kingdom and through the rest of eternity. That yes, God wants to assemble the bones and put life in them because he is a good and a lovely God. But then God is going to use those bones, these people made alive, for a very big purpose. And so for us, what we need to know is that, yes, heaven is a place of rest, but heaven is also a place of great work. God has many, many plans for us into eternity. And like Ezekiel 37, Revelation shows us part of that plan is to ride with the Lord into battle and put an end to evil. And like the, the, the Valley of the Dry Bones in Ezekiel 37, where they then went and took and sat and ruled and reigned with, with, um, with Jesus out of, out of Zion, with the Lord out of Zion, so too will this innumerable multitude come riding with the Lord in the la on the day of the Lord and will slay the wicked and establish the millennial kingdom and will rule and reign out of Israel in the last days. So as we see Revelation 7 built, built upon Ezekiel 37, we're seeing that that where what God is intending to do with this innumerable multitude. It's not just that he wants, that he loves them and wants to bring them home to the Father, which of course he does. But God has very big plans for them. They are going to ride with him into battle and establish the millennial kingdom. His very big plans, very, very big plans for the church heading into eternity. And as we look at the Revelation at, at, through the Old Testament lens, we see where this book is going. <laughs> and it's awesome. <laughs> so anyways, with that, that's our, our text. Uh, this was uh, not too much application and a whole lot of Bible work, but it was fun for me. So anyways, let's... Um, Let's close and a word of prayer, and we'll get moving with our day. God, we we love you. <coughs> we we praise you. We thank you. I thank you for all that you've you've provided. We we thank you for all that you uh, have provided and and are providing and will provide. We ask that you would be with us and protect us and keep us safe and guide us. Help us to be wise. Help us to be caring. And God, help us to understand that. Uh, two things. One, not only that you want to redeem and, and save us and, and, and bring us to heaven and wipe every tear from our because you love us, but also that you have a plan for us into eternity. That you're going to use us in eternity, but not only that. Let us not only have a high view of the church once we are in heaven, let us also have a high view of the church now. God, you also desire to use your church now. The gates of hell will not prevail against your church now. God, let, let us see the body for what it is. Let us, let us see what your spirit is doing and rallying and uniting. God, we, we pray that you help us to move in the energy and the direction of your kingdom. We, pray that you help us to not only do your will, but delight in your will and desire your will and celebrate in your will. God, let us move in the, in the energy and the direction of your kingdom. Let us not only appreciate and see your church, God, let, let us 
let us march valiantly within your church for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you all so much. Hugs, kisses, high fives, elbow bumps, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Anyways, I love you all. I'm going to start working on Sunday now. Uh, and I'm really excited for Sunday. I'm really excited for Sunday's message. We're finishing chapter seven for real. So anyways, I love you all. I'll see you later. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this Calvary Baltimore B-Side. If you'd like to get in touch or come visit us at Calvary Baltimore, our website is calvarychapelbaltimore.org. You can email us at calvary.faithlife at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you've been blessed by today's teaching and would like to donate to the work God is doing through Calvary Baltimore, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org and click Donate Now. Until next time, keep drawing closer to God through the reading of His Word. And join us again for the next Calvary Baltimore B-Side. <laughs>